Bienvenidos to Merendiando. Ha, ha. Welcome back. We missed you. Ay, qué bonito es estar de vuelta. This season is going to be so good, so let's get started. Vámonos. For this first episode of season five, we have an amazing guest, Genoa Gila. Genoa Gila, or G, is a strong Torres Strait Islander woman from Rockhampton, Central Queensland. With her dance foundations in Torres Strait Island dance, she is a Sydney-based independent performing artist working across dance, circus, television, and stage, and soon film. Genoa is a recipient of the renowned Keir Choreographic Award and the Deadly Funny Melbourne International Comedy Festival Award. She's also an accomplished air guitarist. You might have seen her perform in the 2019 Caminos Festival in the dance show Murawai. Everyone, everyone, co-presented with Native Earth. We talked to Genoa about the lifestyle of traditional dance, how her art has no division between spectator and performer, leveling up, and her favorite animes. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning. It's 10 a.m. for you and it's 7 p.m. for us. Yeah, what a good time frame. What does like the sky look like for you right now? Uh, we're overcast at the moment because uh, we float in, in, in and out of cyclone season at the moment. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit annoying because I, I don't know if you fellas have been over this way to, to Australia, but Not in yet. summer... In the northern part of Australia, it is proper hot. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you mm-hmm. you want cyclone season to rock up because because uh, it cools everything down. Even though it throws everything as well, is like, you know, catch twenty two throws things, cools you down. Yeah, regulating itself, doing what it's got to do. Yeah, it's just true. I love it. All right. Well, um, we talked about uh, doing a little introduction. So, would you like to introduce yourself to our lucky, lucky listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, name is uh, Genoa Gila or Genoa Gila. I am a proud Torres Strait Islander woman, uh, born on Drumble Country in Central Queensland, Rockhampton. Uh, my practice uh, is a I'm, I'm a storyteller, and uh, yeah, I, nav- I navigate across uh, m- many many industries. I would also like to take the moment to acknowledge uh, the traditional owners of the land that I am currently residing on, the, the actual owners of the land that I'm currently residing on, the Durumbles peoples, and pay respects to elders past and present uh, because this land was never ceded and uh, it is currently occupied illegally. So, yeah. Hi. Yeah, hey. Um, all right. So we see that you arrived here on Earth and soon after started practicing traditional dance. That's kind of yes. what we've heard you say in a few interviews on the internet when we very weirdly stalk you for to research. <laughs> for the- awesome. Because everything's out there. <laughs> this is true. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that's so- that was the first thing that I that I floated into. Straight yeah. out of mom and into traditional Torres Strait Islander dancing. Yeah. Beautiful. So in, in one of your earlier pieces. Fragments of Malamuka. So Malamuka. The, it's like nook, nook, you, you know, you kind of like song uh at the the ng at the end of song yeah so you, you chuck no. that in the middle of that no. there too so it's My. it's really to to wreck all the uh western palettes really oh it's but so yeah, good but it means but it but it means uh women of the sea yeah women of the sea awesome so in your piece women of the sea fragments of malignoca you asked some really interesting questions about traditional dance and we're wondering if you have any new reflections right now what is traditional dance to you is it dance or a way of being? 
Does it only hold a sense of tradition when danced by people from that culture? And if traditional Torres Strait Islander dance is performed by non-Torres Strait Islander people, what does the dance become? Oof. Jeez. Just, you know, an easy way to start <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> You're just getting to know each other. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, uh, there's... There's many ways, oh, I'll, I'll tell you the, the main reason why those, those questions were at the forefront of creating this piece. Uh, it's because the way that, you know, the arts navigates over here, it, you know, it is very much a Western structure. So, you know, I really wanted to get in in this competition and, and that was uh, by questioning what you're exploring that 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 actually helped help my way in. Now, uh, my my feelings about it actually haven't changed. So, traditional dance to me is a way of life. Um, it it is a representation of of us, of our history, of our culture, of our connection, of our bloodlines, of our kinship. It's like you know, our oral history is is within, and our, our traditional dance is only one element of that. But it is it is one that really really allows us to. To take a picture, like you see, you see moving pictures of it with, within the movement, and and you hear it within the the, the language of the words that are that are being sung with the, the songs and dances. So it's a it's a very it's a yeah it's like a moving picture. Um, is a dance or a way of being? For for me, it's as as I just said, it's a way of life. So it's it's all about a way of being, you know. And and the the thing about learning learning something from small you can see it inherently within the the body of the person within the physicality of the person within the beliefs of the person so you know someone who's who's done traditional dance since they were three you can clearly see that the the difference between somebody who's just learnt it three weeks ago you know like like it, it is definitely a way of being does it hold a sense of tradition yes it does when it is when you are performing and, and, you know, I, and I guess I'm biased because I'm on the inside, right? But when I perform those dances, I, I, can't, I can't explain, but there is, a, there is an empowerment of my spirit. And I know that that is, that is one of the, the, the e not, you know, easy is not the right word, but it is one of the best ways to connect with my ancestors because I know that I'm telling a story from the past and the present. So, you know, it's like we're time traveling at the, like right at the exact same time because I'm bringing the past to the present. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's so amazing. And, and I always find that, you know, I don't even, I don't even feel like I'm dancing. I feel like I'm floating when I'm, when I'm doing my traditional dance. Like it, it's quite, it, it's otherworldly. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and you can, you can see us, uh, how we embody our stories as well within it. Because we're telling, we're all storytellers with that, with with everything actually, everything that we do, whether it's verbal or so, you know, song, movement, physicality, whatever it is, it's all ingrained within us. So yeah, definitely, definitely holds a sense of tradition for sure. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Nah, no worries. Um, and and I, I mean, I'll share a little bit that I've been studying my own traditional dance amazing with a teacher that somehow is in Canada like how wild like Mexico they're Mexican and um they are t yeah they lead this group and what I've been finding is that the way of teaching is completely different than any other like western school art school kind of way of teaching that I've encountered as well very different very different um 
you know, while because because I started traditional dancing as, as soon as I could sit up, my my dad, my 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 parents got me straight into it. Um, it was always it was it wasn't just dance. I can't even explain it. It wasn't just dance. It was just it was something that we did every day to 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 and it was an encompassing thing it was it was a combination of discipline of routine of of respect and it was actually my access to culture because mm. the Torres Straits uh so oh I should probably give some context so there's there's two indigenous cultures of Australia there's the Aboriginal people which which the world knows about and then there's the Torres Strait Islanders which not much of the world knows about and barely half of Australia knows about it either I guess. And um, so yeah, so I'm I'm a part of the of the latter. I'm the, I'm the the other in the other indigenous culture of Australia. I mean, I mean, what's what's really really uh, mind blowing is that actually Aboriginal is just a blanket word to to encompass you know like the the indigenous peoples of of the land like it. But actually, we've we've got over three hundred different clans and tribes here in Australia. Um, and that, that's only on, on the mainland, the, the Aboriginal mainland itself, you know, and in the Torres Straits, we, we also have clan groups and totems and, and, and everything else as well. So, you know, um, oh, that's, I think that's what I was talking about. I was talking about the mainland. So uh, my access, <laughs> my access to my culture, because I was born on the mainland, was through dance. I learned language mm. through dance because of the songs that we had to learn to be able to tell the stories. I learned all the stories through dance because we were expressing them with it, with our bodies. Um, and, and, you know, that I, I don't, I actually don't know where I would be without it. Um, because the living in the islands and living on the mainland are two totally different worlds, you know, um, you can walk like you're up on the islands. You can walk out and you can talk language straight away. I mean, it's taken a long time to get to this point. You know, when colonization first happened, it, you know they tried to eradicate everything. We, we were really fortunate. Somehow, we we managed to keep our our languages and and our, and as much of our practices as we possibly could. I mean, you know, the the missionaries came through and all the devil worships and and all of that kind of stuff happened. So we couldn't do our ceremonies and you know an accumulation of things that every I've no mm -hmm. doubt every colonized you know a group of people all, all over the world western colonized experienced so yeah so doing traditional dance was was my way of connecting to my culture to my identity and to my ancestors I'm so grateful to have seen you perform in my life because it was so beautiful and um and I I know it wasn't necessarily a traditional dance show but um you did tour a show uh, through Toronto, through Canada, called Murabwai or Everyone, Everyone, and uh, Monica and I had the pleasure of seeing it. Oh, and... I was so excited to to take that over there, because um, yeah, like it literally is everyone, everyone, and the, and the idea is that we all come together and we celebrate and we empower each other. That's something that for me personally, and I was I was talking to Camila when we were prepping for the interview that even though we as spectators we were there to see you you had this moment and I think you had it with a lot of people but I want to feel special because you had it with me uh, but at one point you you looked at us and I will say personally it's like you looked at me even though I was there to see you you took a moment to just acknowledge yeah. me and that brought the experience even like it made it more real so 
how how do you approach an individual intimate moment with with the audience and with individual people from the audience like as an as a performer um so a part of my practice it's not a part of it, actually all all of my practice is based on my traditional foundation my traditional dance foundation um where everybody's involved you know like when you when you when you go to a Torres Strait celebration a do uh, a you know a, a meeting a, a, there's everybody's involved you know that everyone's eating and singing and dancing and celebrating all all at the same time like all of this happens there is no performers and audience it is just sharing and when i when i first entered the the the, the arts industry here in australia um <laughs> i didn't understand it at all um <laughs> I, I was confused about uh, why why there wasn't you know any any dancing or, or movement with with the text and I was wasn't I was confused about why there was you know text without dancing like you know like the 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 two <laughs> the two others are uh, one one and the same to be able to tell stories for me um, and and then all of a sudden there was this thing where they said that there was audience and talent and and that mm. that really kind of that shocked me in many ways um because uh us Torres Strait Islanders are quite loud people and and we love empowering each other and and celebrating you know like when we see something good we want people to know about it like we want them to know that we saw it <laughs> you know and um mm -hmm. and that that kind of energy that that spirit that makes you you know like when you you dance harder You, you you have more fun with the performance you 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 reach for for other parts of you know of your spirit to be able to express yourself because you're happy that somebody acknowledged the fact that you're having a good time or you, you know like you you acknowledge that they've acknowledged you you know like there is there is this connection that happens this conversation that happens that is missing for me in the western arts industry so you know when i go to theater shows i have to sit in a particular place because i'm going to be loud And people are going to turn around and look mm -hmm. at me and some people might ask me to leave because I'm too loud and I might interrupt the show. Uh, but that doesn't stop me from encouraging the performers that I totally appreciate their hard work, you know, and and that also, and being a performer, like I want to acknowledge the fact that the audiences have come out to to see what I've got, you know, like to to see my story, to share a moment with me. So, yeah, Moraboi is is that kind of show, you know. It's about breaking breaking those those barriers between talent and and audience because when we there's there you know when we tell stories when I tell my stories now I need people to be involved I'm you know when we're facing the world with all of this racism with all of this xenophobia with you know like all the all the things that homophobia every everything that happens you know there's a constant performer and audience relationship this is this is just from my perception and i'm tired of the bystanders so oh yeah so you know when i when i get pulled over when i get a pat down by the police police officers at a train station i actually want the audience to not be an audience <laughs> i want them to come and help me you know so mm -hmm. that that is that is now inherent in in my works I'm trying to figure out how to you know make the audience feel like they're actually a part of everything that, that we do because they are, you know, they're humans, we're humans. There's no, there's no, you know, the, the difference is that the light is on me at the moment, but that doesn't mean that I don't, that I don't acknowledge you or vice versa. 
that's yeah. so powerful. So we were wanted to ask, like, what was your experience building relationships in in Canada? And and as as a touring artist, how do you approach building relationships when while you're on tour? Yeah, it's really important for me as a First Nations person of Australia to connect with the First Nations people everywhere in the world because. You know, I understand, I understand uh, what it feels like to be invisible and I understand what it feels like when our voices aren't heard and, or when our bodies aren't seen. And, and, you know, more boy was created to give a platform for that. So we, we have a space to tell our stories and share it with people. And, and, and yeah, uh, what I, what I really wanted to find out was if, you know, there could be an, intercultural international intercultural exchange of a show and what it might look like even even though the struggles are the same they're totally different you know but but we're all under this this western eye of oppression and and how how do we empower each other to be able to push through that so yeah that's you know Moraboi is built in a way that anybody can actually be like be a part of it and and it, it you know it's so I mean, oh, Monica, did you? Were you the one that jumped up and played that game with us? No, that was Camilla. I played. Oh, Camilla, <laughs> man, yeah, you that? yeah, yeah, I totally did because that was the best part of that show. It was, you know, like when for me as a performer, when I move an audience member to to not be, to be an active participant, you know, I've done my job. You know, like mm. I've I've moved somebody so much that they actually want to be a part of it. That's that's what I want. That's how I want to tell my stories. You know, I I, I want people to to take an active role for themselves, and that was the best part. Like we were buzzing about it. We we're like, oh, man, what about when that girl jumped up and come up? Like we were just so excited about it. And we yeah, we're still talking about it. We we're like, oh, Aww. that's it. That's that's what it's yeah. You know, that's like. That 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 is the type of sharing. That is the type of sharing that that I would like to achieve within within my practice. You know, like the art art is life. Is art is life for me? Hmm. I'm a storyteller. Hmm. I'm not just a storyteller on the stage. I'm actually a storyteller in my life. The stage people is just more focused. You know, like people just kind of rock up. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, like I I get paid for it, uh, which is <laughs> which is exciting, but. But but that aside, that there's no difference between being on stage and off stage. So yeah, so that was really exciting for us. Yeah, it was such a beautiful show. Like there was no way that I I think anyone could leave that and not be moved or changed in some way. Like it, it just because of the the honesty of it and the it was just so beautiful. Man, it was so beautiful. Um, but I think that that paradigm of being an artist, being a creator and and trying to do it within an industry that operates in a certain way and then remembering that you don't have to, that's not the only way to create is such yeah. an important thing to hold on to. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you got you to find moments where, where you can do that for yourself because mm-hmm. even even though there's there's got a massive wall up there, there's actually, there's people holding some doors open. You know, and they could be like in, in of any color, of any color opening that, that door open. It's a, it's a matter of you taking the first step to get in there and then break the door down so that there's no door anymore. It's just an open passage. Let's just soak that in. I know. <laughs> like, let's just replay that over and over again. <laughs> let's remix it. We'll yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm kind of compelled to ask you about uh, Move It Mob Style yeah yeah cool that is a little yeah that's a little because you were talking about you know getting people involved like really involving people so 
this is what we were able to find on the internet. If you have, let me know if this is an accurate description of what this is, but Move It Mob Style for what we found is a beautiful like television show for youth, for kids that teaches dance. And you were like one of the people on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the premise of Move It Mob Style was to to show a positive, like positive blackfellas on TV, right? Like so, in in Australia, we uh we we call like the First Nations people of Australia, we call each other blackfellas, uh-huh. you know, because it doesn't matter what skin what color skin you have. It, it what what matters is is your bloodline, and you know, so everybody's got that blood. They're just a blackfella. That's just that's how you go. But um, yeah, that so that that show was created to put positive role models on TV because there's none here in Australia, you know, like not on not on the prime time, um, and and if there is, there's only one, so we're still very much at uh, uh well, it's still very much a racist country, um, mm. like 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 much of the world, oh, yeah. um, yeah, 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 and uh, but and we're still struggling to find visibility in prime time places. You know, so Movie Mob Style was lucky to be snatched up by ABC. ABC is one of the best, the, the actually is probably the best TV channel over here that shows a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander content. Yeah, and and you know, Movie Mob Style was needed at the time to to break the horrible cycle of colonization. Really, when they came in, and you know, and we went on to rations of tobacco, flour, and and alcohol. Like it, it just decimated our communities. And and uh, so move mob style is that this fun upbeat we talk about, and and it's also sharing with the with the whiter community as well, because we talk about the different countries that we're on, and we talk about the different tucker, like the 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 food that you can find, the the bush tucker that you can find on those countries. Uh, they teach you language within a show, like you can actually watch it on YouTube. Oh, we um, watched it. We we did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And and what it, you know, and and it's encompassing for everybody. Because when we do our dancing, you know, there's there's no age age limit. You know, you, you as soon as you can sit up or as soon as you can walk, you know, you're already starting to learn your dances and and you keep going all the way through and until you can no longer get up anymore. Actually, no, that's that's a lie because my, my my dad he can't walk very well, but he still does dances in his chair. So, you know, like that's that's just what we do and how we roll. So, you know that the concept of of moving mob style was was really pivotal at that time because we were actually on a platform that that had all of us on it and a whole variety of us and all of our shades as well you know so that that was a huge huge achievement within our our arts industry for sure and and you know the education on a broader sense in the in the nation um because they actually could see all these different types of blackfellas in, in in Australia. So it was very cool. There's so many things you just said, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm sure you talked to folks when you were here, but about the rations, like that just sounds like, that sounds like right here too, like tobacco, bag of flour, like yeah. that's it. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's what they did, yeah. That's what they did. Um, but something I'm curious about is the fusion of hip hop and traditional dance, which I saw there, which is so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are heavily influenced by the, the African-American world mm. culture, you know, mm-hmm. um, be, because they are, they are, they were, when I was growing up, uh, the only black people I saw on TV was Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, you know, like Oprah. Yeah, like all, all the African-American people, there's barely 
if any, actually, I don't even remember any Aboriginal people or Torres Strait Islander people on TV when I was growing up. It was just all African-American people. So their, their culture, which, which is actually what, what's really interesting is that, you know, the, their, their fight, their fight for their life coincides with us because of our skin, but we are the origins. So our, our plight is, is at the same level, so to speak, with the Native Americans, with the, with the Turtle Island mob, you know, like we're First Nations, but we got black skin. But there's a two separations in, in Turtle Island, you know, and and yeah, so it's it always blows my mind, mind just just thinking about that stuff. But yeah, yeah, African American people totally, totally paved the way for us to find our skin on on in platforms, on platforms. And and actually an African American woman, she when she came to uh, Carol Johnson, her name is, when she came to Australia, she was the one that actually instigated our first indigenous so aboriginal and torres strait islander uh dance school and then and transformed it and and then it it shifted into our first company which is bangara that that travels all over the world so that was started by an african-american woman and that wouldn't have happened without her because the racism within our society right like the, the thing is that what well this this is this is obviously all of my opinion oh but, we're here for that we're here for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know australia doesn't make moves unless america does mm. so when an african-american person comes to the australian continent the last thing australia wants to look like is is racist right because they're black as well so for me she was except she was the acceptable black because she wasn't she wasn't of the origin of Australia. And, and I'm not, not taking anything away from Carol by any means. I'm so thankful that she came here because she opened up the, the way for us to even express ourselves on, on a modern platform, you know, instead of being the, the ooga boogers in the background with, with the paints and the spears and, you know, and the nose, like the bones through our noses and the Torres Straits or, you know, like all the, the eating of people, which wasn't even a part of my people anyway. But, you know, like, so she she allowed us, she gave us space, man. She she was the one that actually broke that door down and made it a passageway. So we, yeah, I, I personally have a lot to thank African-American people and their culture because, uh, yeah, they saved, they saved me. You know, I wanted to be a backup dancer for Jenna Jackson and or, or, or Missy Elliott and that, and that gave me so much strength and empowerment within myself because when I saw their film clips, I saw myself. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a huge, huge influence over here. Yeah, it's, it's just so, so wonderful to talk to you because we don't get to talk to folks on, from Australia. Like, we, it's not, we never get to by accident. It rarely do we run in to folks and get to have this discussion, you know? Yeah, yeah, cool. And right now, we're, when, how, because of Uncle <clears throat> COVID, because we can <laughs> get together in festivals, I think that was one of the biggest thing for theater festival, for the theater festival, because we got to know you. And now we have the internet. So, yes, yes. Oh, man, it was so great to meet you guys. Like, like after that, that workshop that we did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Danielle, we were totally inspired by you guys and we would love to take more of a way back and, and do another version with a whole other group of people because that, that's the structure of it. The structure of it is that, you know, 
we have a, a foundation of Torres Strait Islanders and and we go and we share our Torres Strait Islander culture with, you know, the, with other people who would like to share as well. And also the impact, I, I like with this isolation that we have been living, if you bring that show back after a world that has and like an audience that has been isolated, Wow, what an experience! <laughs> it would would it be? Yeah, yeah, that's mm -hmm. cool. So, going off of, of all the research we did on you, uh, <laughs> we saw that you won the Deadly Funny National um, oh, yeah. Competition in 2017. What don't yeah, you do? Yeah. I know. <laughs> and also, uh, we saw you were in So You Think You Can Dance. And before the interview, you told us you are quite competitive. So what is <laughs> your relationship with competitions? Ah, <laughs> uh, so my my other the other part of my background is sport. Mm. Um, when, when I was going through school, you know, the language barrier was was really prevalent when I first started. So I couldn't couldn't make friends. I got bullied a lot. Um, And, and I couldn't, I just wasn't confident enough to talk because I couldn't read very well either. So the academic side of me um, was very, very limited and to the point of, you know, like I, I just didn't want to stand out anyway. But for some reason, and, and I truly believe it's from actually from my traditional dancing mm. because I had next level hand-eye coordination. <laughs> Um, so sport, sport was my jam. I could understand it. It was really straightforward. And, and, you know, I, I'm surrounded by brothers. So I've got a sister, I got two brothers, there's me, and then there's a little brother. And my two older brothers, they were pretty, pretty damn good. At, actually, my eldest brother, he was really, really good at sport. And uh, there were moments where he was just like, yeah, nah, you can't do that. And I'm like, why? And he was like, well, because girls don't really do that. You know, that. Like that, that, that was the flavor of the 90s right like the, yeah. the very the, the big difference between like you throw in like a girl and and you actually being like a, a top guy you know in in the sporting team so I made it I made it my you know uh like my journey to to throw like a girl so good that people <laughs> wanted to be called oh you throw like a girl <laughs> So, mm. so I went next level in my competitiveness. I was like, oh yeah, what, what, what can you do? Yep. I can do that too. Yep. I can do that too. And uh, yeah, I just challenged all the lads when I was, when I was growing up. So that massive competitiveness comes from my sport and the need to show that girls can do anything. Women can do anything with hard work and dedication, you know, whatever's within my power, I can totally do. So I'm going to try and do it. And uh, yeah. You know, the, at the at the end of it all, a couple of years ago, I told myself um, that at the end of it all, I want to be the ultimate G, and I and I don't I don't want to have any regrets. So, you know, if I see something, then I'm going to try it, regardless of whether I have the skills for it or not. How's that going for you? Good. Yeah, you're a winner yep. of the Deadly Funny yep. National. I, I also won the um, the Kia Choreographic Championships as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's not on the internet because it was before internet, which kind of shows my age, but I, but I was, a and, and, you know, like I, I say this because it was such a fun thing to do in my twenties, but I was the first female to win a state titles for air guitar <laughs> <laughs> in Australia. Yep. 
And then and then I was the first person to win consecutive titles for state. And then I was the first female to uh, to make it to nationals. And then I was the first female to place in nationals. And then I was the first um, person to place consecutively at, at nationals. I, I didn't win it, though. I missed out by 0.4 points uh, in the last national round that I did. It was it was an amazing experience. And and, you know, that that really put me. Uh, put performance actually into perspective because it was before I started performing. Huh. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I started really late. Um, by by the Australian industry standards, yeah, like performance starts when you're 13 or something. But I didn't, I didn't get into like proper performance or the Western performance, sorry, till I was 28. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, much much later. But but you know not out of the ballpark by any means. So you were you were fermenting. It's like there's yeah. no there's no race. <laughs> oh look, man, experience experience and quality over quantity every time. Does doesn't matter doesn't matter your age. Like if you got it, you got it. That's it. And as a storyteller, you were just collecting more stories to tell. Absolutely, absolutely. And nothing beats experience, man. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can have this 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 you know, and a, and I'm also I'm, you can have somebody coming in and doing all sorts of tricks, mm-hmm. but if they don't believe in the tricks and if they don't have any any foundation behind the tricks, then you know, like what are you looking what are you looking at? You're just looking at pretty stuff. I'm not saying that that's bad and that's not valid <laughs> or anything by any means. I, I'm I'm not. But but what's missing is always the the appreciation for experience. You know, I always want my elders around because they know all the things. They've been there. They've done that. You know, that life is way too short to be learning everything by yourself. Hmm. So they always, yeah, I always feel like elders get overlooked. So experience, quality all the time. I am curious, like, what is a song that you would recommend if people wanted to get into air guitar? Like, what would you recommend people listen to? Like, oh. What's your song? Well, you know, I always said that if I ever went to Finland, because that's where the World Championships uh, was at the time, I would have taken, um, oh, gosh, Incubus, Certain Shade of Green. That, that was, yeah, that was the one that was, you know, like in the 90s, that's what I was, was jamming hard with. But, yeah, but recently I started getting into Queen, and man, those solos in Queens are Brian like, May. Oh, Brian May's got man, it. that that guy doesn't muck around. Ugh, so you know, every now and then, like I'll chuck on a Queen song, and I'll try and and I'll try, I'll still try and play it, air guitar, <laughs> yeah, because is- you know the appreciation is is like. Yeah, it's all there, all there for that guy. Next level fella. I have a question about uh, kind of veering off of the competitions, the you know amazing comedy award that you were given. What makes you laugh? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself. Um, yeah, every, you know. Um, I mean, to to be honest, because of the oppression, right? You you find you find ways of finding that the the positive side of things even even in in the you know in the worst in the worst scenarios worst scenarios which which is life really you know if humor humor is everything humor is life for me because that is the one thing that is so infectious for people man and and always 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 brings people's hearts to the table is is laughter is comedy Mm -hmm. is humor is 
you know it's universal man like if there's if somebody has an infectious laugh you can't help but laugh and everybody feels good about it you know no one no one's going to get like you know (laughs) no one's going to get angry about somebody inciting them to laugh (laughs) (laughs) unless of course you know like you're going to get detention or something then you're just like damn that's bad but um (laughs) but no no one like stops mid laugh and goes stop it stop making me laugh I'm feeling really good (laughs) 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 like no one's gonna do that right they're just gonna laugh with you yeah and the and the the best laughs and it is is when you have that proper big belly laugh tears rolling out of your eyes you need to double over because you know your belly so so like it's so good like I love them so yeah kind of kind of anything really good humor um anime anime actually makes me laugh a lot japanese humor runs so parallel to my thinking sometimes you know like it runs so parallel to black folk humor it it like inspires me <laughs> like for everything yeah i had the biggest laugh watching an anime the other day what, what anime was it if i can ask oh uh, so one piece is my my favorite anime um but i navigate okay. through through all of them actually i i don't have a particular one that I that I don't watch um but yeah but it, yeah Luffy Luffy's he's he's a character that's 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 the guy that I want to be when I grow up um because he's just like he's just like this is my goal and I'm going to go for it so I'm like yep you know what I can do that too let's let's do that mm. <laughs> so yeah yeah I like yeah sometimes my mom comes down and she's like what happened what's what are you laughing at and I'm like oh no I'm just watching this anime and she's like oh <laughs> but yeah any anything really uh yeah. that, that was a really long way to say anything Listen, that, was, that was good we liked the journey we liked the journey thank you much appreciated be proper awkward <laughs> otherwise <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking i don't know i was just like i want to laugh about everything too and i love comedy but <laughs> i was just thinking that no because I, I i do uh a bit of i do a lot of comedy and, and I always find comedy is such a great way to also connect with the audience right away. Like it's such a medium uh, stand up a sketch or, or improv is like you get the, the reaction instantly, either they like it or not like it. And you know, it the yeah, moment that's so true. That it, is so true. It leaves your <laughs> mouth and, and I, and I love it. And I, and I was thinking that as a person who does comedy as a um, movement, dance, theater is like how how do you decide what to do with your art practice like as a multidisciplinary artist where do you go and and how do you uh, add elements to whatever piece you're doing ah that's a great question so the way that I navigate my my storytelling I first lead with the need to empower my people so I go with everything that we're familiar with and that's movement and that's laughter Hmm. so that's that's how I you know in incite my my or inspire my way of creating um because you know we're constantly being put in all like in against the white lens right we're constantly in that and that and that gaze is detrimental to all of us still and it's no more or no less it just it just is so I always try to figure out a way that when when there's like because you know our audiences the arts the arts industry is anyway that's a whole other thing (laughs) but you know the majority right the majority here in Australia anyway is there's at least 
at least 95%, well, 90% white, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that's because, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a, actually, no, I'm not saying anything. I just won't say anything, but the, I mean, it's a fact. There's no doubt yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you, the ticket prices are ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, but also the space itself, it feels white. So not a lot of black fellas are, are going to go to these places because they already know what it feels like, you know? Mm. So my, my duty, I feel for, well, actually I've made it my own duty, um, is to break that, that kind of space, that, that barrier within the space. Um, and, and yeah, what I want to invite black fellas to come and rock up to a show because they know they're going to see themselves. They're going to hear something that they know. You know, with, with my one woman show, my Uruguay, mm. I can do that in so many different versions, depending on how many black people are in the, in the audience. If there's no black fellas, I'll play it one way. If there's black fellas, I'll play it another way. And, and, and mm-hmm. the comedy that I do with it, w- within it is, you know, I even, I, I talk directly to my mob when that comedy scene rolls in and I know they're in the audience, I talk directly to them and that, you know, that's, that's meant to be, that, that's a scene for three minutes. Right. But when they're in the audience, I might push it to about four. Mm-hmm. So, because the play, you, there's so much play that we do with each other that nobody else knows it. And that, and that, you know, like what's, what's really fun is when we got a joke going on that no one else knows about, yes. mm. <laughs> I love you know, but, but they, they feel it. They, like the white fellas feel it and and they can't help but feel joyous about it because they see all of these other black fellas having a good time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my premise is always to lead with the mob first and the translation for the white fellas after because I never never want to not educate. Like mm. I I I find that an obligation for myself because there's young people coming after me. So what am I going to leave behind? What 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 am I going to do? to help make sure that they don't feel the way that I feel when I walk into these places and spaces when we are in fact the original storytellers, mm-hmm. you know, like that is ingrained with us. We don't, we didn't write our history. We embody our history. So putting it in, into a modern space, into a Western space, how do, how do we do that? Well, we just got to take ourselves. Mm. So we got to fill this, like this, this is what I perceive, like my, 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 my plan is to fill as much of the space with me as possible. Uh, and I know that might sound quite egotistical, but by the end of it all, when some, when another black fella steps in, then I'll fill it with their, their energy. Mm. And another one will fill it with their energy. And then it'll just be encompassing so much blackness in that space or so much culture or so, so much connection to Beautiful. identity that no one's even going to question going in there. They'll just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to cruise over here. You know, like it's not even going to be a th- like, I'm going to go to the theater. It's not even going to be that. It's like, hey, you fellas going to the show tonight? You know, mm-hmm. like that. That's what I want. That, that's that's what I want for the young people to just to to be able to step into something, um, and then and then them also create energy and space within that to break down doors and make a passageway as well. So then we're just by the time you know, I don't know, fifty years rolls down. There's so many passageways that nobody can stop us. Yeah. <laughs> So what, I mean, we are in Uncle COVID land. We are in... Totally in Uncle COVID land. Handy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering, what has your creative practice looked like these days? If if anything, jeez, 
No judgment here. Oh it's a Oh my gosh. It has been a journey. Mm. Yeah. So when Uncle COVID first rocked up to the doorstep here in Australia and decimated the arts industry, um, I lost two years of work overnight. And it put me, it put me in a darkness that I've never known before. Fear, vulnerability, next level, right? Because we're artists, right? We we explore vulnerability all the time. That's what we do. We're like professional vulnerable people that want to share our vulnerability all the time, you know. And and but but at that time, I didn't even know what to do with it. Didn't know how to navigate it, didn't know how to feel, didn't know how to think, didn't know because all all of a sudden everything was so real, right? Like no rent. I could be homeless. I had no money for food. I was I was, you know, down to one meal a day. And and even then, like a the, you know, I was scraping that together and I was so fortunate that I had friends and family around me that were dropping off food because I couldn't live. So yeah, it it totally ah, it took more than just my legs out. Like the ground just opened up and I just kept falling. And and then I was what was really scary was that I was comfortable in it. Then after a little while, I was like, you know what? Is this is this, yeah, okay. There's no point, there's no point anyway. So what's the point? You know? And uh, I was really fortunate to have like particular people around me, my mentors around me to just go, all right, get up, you know, get up, get, get, stand up, go and have a shower. Cause Uncle COVID, right? It, it stopped like that, that guy rocks up and locks your door. You can't even leave your apartment. And, um, and, you know, I was lucky that I had that, uh, that I had mentors to try to open my mind outside of the apartment, if that even makes sense. So yeah. even though the, my, the physical G couldn't leave, they were trying to support the mental G to be able to still find purpose in the world, so to speak, at the time. And uh, and then and then we had sorry business. So sorry business is, is uh, when somebody passes away in the mm-hmm. family. And so I had sorry business. Um, where we lost a couple of family members and because I was in a totally different state, I couldn't go home and the connection to family was lost. And, you know, like there were so many things that it just totally, yeah, the ground just opened up and I just kept falling and then uh, ended up finding a small gap to get home. And yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, the arts is dead. You know, everyone's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I was like, for you guys, it's totally fine. You know, you only got six months off. Like, we still don't even know when all of the theatres are going to open and then and how many people can be in the theatres to even watch what we do, you know. I mean, obviously it's getting better now, now that we're further away from the, the initial impact. Um, but what it showed me was that <laughs> I do a lot of things with people. <laughs> All of doesn't doesn't matter what I do as a director, as a as a performer, as a choreographer, as a teacher, everything I do is in connection with human beings, other human bodies in the same space. So what Uncle COVID did was that he totally showed me what I couldn't do, and and that was everything. So so that wrecked me. 
And then, uh, you know, and then Arnie Zoom rocked up and she was like, hey, man, you know, got these things going on. How do you, how do you, how do you feel about it? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, I'll give it a go. And I tried to do a dance. I don't know if anybody's tried to do dance, a dance class over Zoom. Oh. It is horrible. Oh. It is like the worst idea ever in your life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, like. And I'm not saying about, yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally does because you don't have that interaction. And I, and, you know, I was trying to connect with the young people in remote community and, you know, they were really excited, but I didn't, I couldn't react, like react and interact with them. So, and it was proper delayed and the music was delayed. So I'd do this move and I'd be like, why are they doing that move? Oh, they're doing the move now, you know, and it just totally killed the spirit. Auntie Zoom's trying to trying to choreograph over your work. Oh man, she was just trying to take over and I was like, Auntie Zoom, I'm out. <laughs> so I stopped teaching dance over Zoom because it was it was literally crushing my soul. Mm-hmm. And and then I turned around and I was like, okay, okay, okay. I've been touring now literally for the last 15 years of my life. And every time I've gone home, I've only gone home for like three days, maybe six days at most, maybe every second year. So I wasn't seeing mm. my family very much at all. And then I went, okay, well, you know what? Maybe the universe is gone. It's time for you to slow down and maybe go reconnect with your family. So I came back home, which is Durumbal country mm. and been hanging out with my family, catching up with my brothers and my, you know, my sister's currently up here at the moment from Sydney and hanging out with my mom and learning language and, and revisiting old like dances that I used to do. And I found writing. Yeah. So, so I literally went into, okay, so if I physically can't be in the space with anybody, what else can I do? So I took on some voiceover courses and I took over some writing courses. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I did. I was like, all right, well, we're going to skill up. And when uncle COVID finally, you know, goes and dies somewhere, oh my gosh, I'm going to be hitting the world so hard. They'll be like, oh my gosh, since when can you do all these things? So yeah, the competitive spirit is is even stronger than before because I was like, man, I'm gonna be so next level when I come out. People won't know what to do with me. The thing is, you already are as you are. You are already an incredible artist and person, <laughs> and and you're just trying to stunt on us. <laughs> <laughs> and and what is is it? What is the next thing? What are you bringing to ah, us? So next I was year really when... really fortunate um, to I, I landed a. Um, uh, an application where I can create a short film. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's on the cards as a as a writer, director, performer. I'm just I'm just going straight in there. I would love to take Morabuai back to Toronto. Actually, that's that's the show that I want to take back because that means that I can engage with the community there, like with mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah. That would be amazing to do a more boy with with you two and and s- some of the other crew. Like that would be next level hmm. for for, we for me are and D. Here, you say the word. <laughs> you'll write the grants. Like oh yeah, call us over, call us over. We'll do our grants right. on this side. You guys do your grants on that side, and we'll make it we'll make it happen again. Um, hmm. Because more boy can be told in so many different ways, and to have that hmm. connection with each other would be uh, it would be so amazing. Jeez, um, I can't even think about performance right now. It makes me so happy and so sad. I know. It's hectic. Yeah. It's so hectic. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, more a boy I can totally take over there. But the 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 other show that ca- that is totally presentable and tourable is actually my show, My Uruguay, 
Yeah, so that's yeah that I was one thinking that. Show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there there is there is some audience connection in that, but not nothing like Moraboy. So you know, bring both shows over. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to contact my local representative and demand. Oh, <laughs> look, I'm keen. I'm keen for it for sure. Because right. yeah, I, the ultimate goal for Moraboy is to take it to every continent in the world. Huh. Mm. Yeah. That's that's the plan. Oh yeah, it will. It'll it'll happen because I want it to happen as well. And and whatever show you do, we're we're gonna go see. So don't worry. Whatever (laughs) is you bring, we can go. We'll go see. How can folks over here follow your work? Um, Well, Instagram is kind of is the thing that I that I float uh, mostly, but um, I also have a Facebook page. Um, Gosh, actually don't do a lot on the socials like in terms of putting putting my work out there this is a good conversation it means i need to do more (laughs) you know if people want to uh follow your work which you should all do that we'll put some links in the show notes well this has been amazing we want to start to wrap up the conversation with some important questions that we ask all of our guests okay go me so this podcast is called merendeando which um i realized when i so Camila, let's name it like this, that not a lot of people will know what it means. Uh, but meriendeando comes from merienda, which is like snack time. That That's something that my family <laughs> awesome. used to do. Like we just have a little merendita with some food and coffee and just chat. Baked goods. Yeah. And if, and if, oh, nice. if we were together, uh, which one day will be, we will, if we will record this by sharing some food. But right now, because uh, we're doing this over Zoom, we were wanted to ask you, what is your favorite snack right now? And we now open it to not only being food, like you can tell us something that right now you really like to eat or something that you are really enjoying reading or listening. So it can be food, books, music, whatever you want to share with our amazing audience. Yeah, like a snack for the soul. Oh, a snack for the soul. Anime is my snack for the soul. Um yeah, any any type of it. it. It takes me out of the, which is funny, right? Because it takes me out of reality, but it also inspires my reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of food, I've been smashing uh, mango and watermelon here. <gasps> Don't, how dare um, you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, because we're in, in mango season. I'm, I'm not sure about watermelon season, but watermelon uh, in summer here. Oh, my gosh. It Oof. is, it is. Yeah, proper, that's, ah, it's just lovely. So I'll grab my mango and my watermelon and I'll sit down and I'll watch an episode of anime. Yeah, so the next question we like to ask is because um, this is a series where we interview different uh, artists and people who are involved in systems change and and social justice and and change, social change. Amazing. Yeah, so we love to talk to people from all over and it's such an honor to be able, again, to talk to you. Um, we like oh, to ask I'm our guests. Totally chuffed that you guys asked me. Yeah. All right. All right. Like we like to ask <laughs> our guests. If do you have a question for our next guest? Our next guest is also an artist, also really engaged in systems change and and justice. And if you could ask them a question, what would it be? I I am I'm very passionate about legacy. Hmm. So. My question would be, within your artistic practice, is there, you know, are you thinking about now or are you thinking about tomorrow? 
and will your practice open open a space or make part like that make those passageways for for the next generation can't wait to ask the question can't wait and uh, if you listen to the next episode you'll hear that person respond to that question haha <laughs> cool that sounds like a plan <laughs> thank you so much yeah, so good. yeah. Nah, nah, thank, thank you. you you lovely ladies um all the things oh big love sending bulk love over that way big and time. uh man sending bulk energies into the universe for us to all like collaborate together yeah yes 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 and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be sending some prayers for you and your family also oh thank you thank you like yeah. likewise over there yeah but coven needs to take his family and just bounce we are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Igan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Duggarondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabeg Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. Araluna. We remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Aluna Theatre, with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and the Metcalf Foundation. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness with Sue Ballant. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca, follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.